you know, there's all these stories about, you know, guys over in Macedonia who are running these fake news sites. Number 24 is Content Farms in Macedonia. Bidiki ako se napravi greška, tak je bide kobna. Nema vrakinja nazad. So, Europe need to, to remain more sexypil lady in the world. Ajde, majkata! Gospode, čuva Macedonija in izvinite gregi. Presidential and parliamentary election dates for Macedonia have now been set, and the parties and candidates are gearing up for campaigns that will determine the direction of Macedonia for years to come. On the ethnic Albanian side, there is anger, accusations, and counter-accusations, as Dewey looks to perhaps field their own candidate instead of joining their junior partner in government, Citizen, which is still not decided on its candidate, while the ethnic Albanian opposition will be fielding Arben Taravari. On the Vomero side, they'll be deciding their candidate by March 2, in the meantime, hundreds of thousands of Macedonians are literally stuck in Macedonia or in whatever country they happen to be in if they are holding a passport which says Republic of Macedonia. Who is to blame? Would there be consequences? And the media outlet Politico Europe has an in-depth and interesting piece on American graft and the revolving door between the U.S. State Department and large American corporations like Bechtel. We'll discuss all this and more on this episode of the Macedonian Content Farmers podcast, Jason Miko coming to you from the foot of the Catalina Mountains in Oro Valley, Arizona. And this is Svetan Shalimanov in Skopje, uh, stuck in Skopje, Macedonia. <laughs> do you have a quote-unquote new passport with the quote-unquote um, correct name? No, I do not. I uh, oh. actually sped up the issuing of my old passport. In 2019, I applied for um, a Republic of Macedonia passport, like oh. four, three, four months before... The government said they're going to start issuing passports with uh, North Macedonia, the stupid name, mm -hmm. the fake name. Mm -hmm. uh, and I wanted to keep my Macedonian passport for as long as possible. Of course, yes. So I uh, got, a new, uh, got a new one, and it's valid until, what, 2029. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it turned out that uh, they, they were not able to begin issuing the north macedonia passports for a good two years i think after or at least a year and a half after i quickly you know rushed mm -hmm. to get the <laughs> the one mm -hmm. with the proper name uh, so um they've been issuing republic of macedonia passports until early 2021 mm -hmm. uh, and yeah i don't have one and uh, i applied uh, because obviously you got to travel, you have you need to have one. Like it's not sure. it's a matter of safety, security, and yeah, yeah. normal living here. It's not like we're in the United States; you can live your entire life uh, in the same <laughs> country without missing out on much. Uh, right. So uh, we had, uh, I, after a lot of phone calls, uh, I applied for an emergency passport, and mm -hmm. they would give me like a date in November. Then I was somehow able to get a date, a normal date in January. The emergency passports are more expensive. So I forgo the date in November and I uh, stuck to Wait, a January, early November January and January date. of what year? Uh, no, this is just to get, you go there to take your picture and your details. So it okay. was problematic just to begin the procedure, right. just to go to a large, uh, the Macedonian television building has the site right. for these things. And they take your picture, they take your details, which all of which they already have. They have a relatively recent picture of me taken in 2019, which was supposed to be valid until 29. So they could have just mm -hmm. printed passports for everybody without asking us, right? No, no need to reapply mm -hmm. because I applied once uh, already. So even getting the term to go to the build this building and an appointment to have your picture taken. It took uh, a lot of phone calls, a lot of tension. So this happened now in uh, early January. And by law, they're supposed to print out the passport in, uh, uh, I think, two weeks or something like that. And it's now like a month and more since then. And uh, there is wow. no chance that uh, they'll get it done. They only had... Wow. We have now the numbers. We have like uh, 600 and some thousand people have applied. So it means they don't have passports. 
Some of them are in the diaspora, some of them are across Macedonia, but most are concentrated in Skopje, where we had these very long lines, because so many people live in Skopje, and there were only two points where you can have your picture taken. Uh, so 650,000 people are applying, and uh, Oliver Spasovsky, the former interior minister, he acknowledged two days ago that when he left office, he only left 50,000 blank passports. So that's the chokehold now. We have um, uh, we do not have enough blank passports, and uh, the company, a German company, which prints them out, says, "Listen, we are booked with other stuff. We cannot just drop everything and print you uh, hundreds of thousands of new ones." We have a printing house in Macedonia which can print seventy thousand a month. So even if we get all the passports we need tomorrow, it will still take a year to print them out. I'm, I'm not sure if they can speed this up. Uh, and um, the new minister from Vemero, Tukovsky, he said that, uh, speaking a few days before Spasovsky, he said that he only has like 5,000 passports in Macedonian and 10,000 in Albanian. So they burned through this small cash of 50,000 in like a matter of days. Uh, and... Um, yeah, so we are now, uh, yeah, we're, we're really royally screwed. They're, they're now issuing passports by priority. You have to say you have like emergency issue. I mean, people that actually have emergency issues, I guess they can get somehow to the police. But it's a drama. I went to, mm -hmm. I went once to ask like, hey, is there any chance of <laughs> my passport showing up? And, you know, people are crying. People are angry. They have family abroad. It's, sure. it's a huge mess. It's a Bloody mess. And just by way of quick background, so for some of our listeners that may not be fully aware of this, that have their own passports, especially for those that live abroad and have dual citizenship, uh, this is a result of the quote-unquote so-called PRESPA agreement five years after it was signed, which was mm. this month. Um, we are recording this on Sunday, February 18. I think the five-year anniversary was last week. But according to the so-called PRESPA agreement, it was five years for for the adoption of these new passports, with the so-called, quote-unquote, new name using the N-word. Uh, and obviously, the, the government this whole time, starting with, I mean, they're, they're the ones that, that engineered this whole fraud of uh, the name change, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've had five years to prepare, and they didn't do enough or anything to prepare for it, and not only in terms of just printing enough physical documents, but in terms of informing the public and encouraging and everything else. So, and I get it. We all hate the, uh, the N word. Um, but you know, there's from a practical standpoint, you know, you have to use it. You're gonna have to get passports that have the N word on it. Okay. Uh, doesn't mean you have to like it and it doesn't mean it can't be changed in the future, but anyway, that's for another time. Mm. Um, and so here we are. And of course, now the question is to my, to my question in the monologue, um, Oliver Spasovsky and the government is to blame, of course, Will there be any consequences for him? Um, he wants, and, and They're yeah, he wants to run for president on the side. Uh, not, anymore. not anymore. Okay, <laughs> so he's he is no longer in the running. <laughs> no. So, uh, but still, there should be, you know, consequences in terms of civil or criminal um, proceedings against him at some oh, yeah. point. Um, what are the odds? They're not apologizing. They're, they're refusing to say I'm sorry, both Spasovsky and Kovachevsky, which is hurting them even more because, yeah. you know, it won't help them much, but it might soften the blow. Um, they're trying to do these kinds of stupid uh, PR tricks like Kovachevsky most recently started. Well, didn't... So, so Vomero is at fault because they kept saying that they will change the name so, so maybe people were fooled by them, so why now that... They have a technically appointed interior minister. Why they don't refuse to, you know, uh, start issuing? I don't know what what he's trying to say. Uh, why don't they rip out the prescription of having like two ministers technically appointed in a short-term government? Um, Mitskovsky doesn't have a passport. He said so. <clears throat> so uh, Kovachevsky is like, why is he applying for a passport with North Macedonia? 
why is he taking up the space for a loyal citizen, basically, who uh, respects the name North Macedonia? Why is the opposition leader who will be prime minister soon? Uh, asking to have a passport issued. This is what the prime minister said today. They're trying to this like peasant level, like we yeah. call it peasant. I don't know what would be like a hick style jokes and uh, cheap tricks for yeah. uh, for the public, which are you know just making people angrier at them because it's really really idiotic. Uh, Spasovsky was trying to throw a lot of uh, uh, legalistic jargon in an hour-long interview in which he was strongly challenged. The journalist was beside himself, even though the journalist is actually <laughs> is the assembly from uh, Shekerinska's wing of the party. <laughs> so, yeah, Spasovsky is now toast in terms of his presidential mm -hmm. ambitions. He was seriously trying. He had a bunch of People on the social media praising him, like uh, they, he invented for himself like a hashtag nickname El Ministra, like the Spanish <laughs> Mexican version, like of a mm -hmm. crime fighting minister. That's now mm -hmm. all a joke. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, Shekirinska is pretty obviously running. Kovachevsky confirmed this. He said that they're having the candidacies of uh, Pendarovsky, of course. And he kind of praised him. He said he's okay, but he said there are others. Uh, they're going through their local branches of the party. And he said a former party leader is running. And this leaves, okay, this could be Zaya for Shekerinska, but we're assuming it's Shekerinska. Shekerinska. She, she's been on the um, kind of a PR charm offensive yeah. getting back into the media lately, whereas yeah. Zaya was faded. Which is interesting for a person with zero charm to be on a charm <laughs> offensive. <laughs> But she's trying, bless her. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Doing her best. Uh, and uh, yeah, Zaev is quiet. Zaev might be a candidate for the uh, general elections in his district, mm -hmm. uh, in the southeast district, but he will lose badly, and uh, we'll see how that works. Uh, and uh, they have Fatmir Bitici, so the whole, uh, so whatever Albanian they have in party, in the party, they, uh, they, uh, no longer have Muhammad Zakiri, who was supposed to be the Albanian leader right. of SDSM, after Dewey put him in prison. Mm -hmm. uh, they have this idiot uh, advisor for Zaf and Kovacevsky, Ibunda uh, Demi or something. He's not too low profile, too, too crazy to, to be nominated. So they, they settled on uh, an Albanian who they appointed uh, uh, Deputy Prime Minister for Economical Issues, Fatmir Bitici, uh, so they might try to nominate him. Sudasa. because they're desperate to get Dewey to support them in the first round. So we have elections right. on, you know, the dates, the 22nd, I think, mm. or 24th was the first round. 20, of, 24th, I believe. Yeah. I think, yeah, presidential elections. And uh, the plan was for ISDSM to run their presidential candidate to have a, a firm agreement for coalition with Dewey by then. Dewey votes for this presidential candidate and they defeat the Vimera candidate in the first round. And they say, look, with the help of the Albanian votes, voters, mm -hmm. they were hoping that the Alliance of Albanians will join them in this, the largest opposition Albanian party. And they thought like there will be no serious Albanian challenger, will win the first round of the presidential elections. There's going to be a mess uh, in Vimero. They'll, they'll be disappointed. They've seen polls that they're winning. This is going to deflate them a lot. And then this will spill over into the general elections two weeks later. And whoever wins the presidential race, no matter. It's important for us to deflate Vimero before the general elections, the parliamentary elections, to reduce our margin of defeat and then maybe play with the other Albanian parties to deny Vamara victory. Right. But uh, Kurti, the prime minister of Kosovo, gathered all the Albanian opposition leaders. He set them together. They decided to nominate the Alliance of Albanians leader Taravari as president. Mm -hmm. uh, this brought this significant party into the opposition fold. Uh, Dewey panicked because they know that if they go into elections and they're supporting Pendarovsky, for example, and the Albanian opposition is running a 
notable ethnic Albanian for president, that a lot of the Dui voters who are Albanians and kind nationalists, of course, that they are going to vote for the Albanian which is being offered, for Taravari. So instead of deflating Vimero, it would be Dui that would be deflated in the first round of presidential elections when Taravari wins 120,000 votes, for example, the bulk of the Albanian votes. And uh, Pendarovsky, the SDSM Dui candidate, loses to the Vimera candidate. Uh, so they panicked. And they said, we cannot allow the Albanian opposition to steal our thunder. They said, we'll, we'll nominate our own guy, we'll nominate uh, Buyar Osmani. Then they said, no, we'll... They're currently pretty loudly announcing that they will nominate Ali Ahmeti himself for president. Mm -hmm. So they're go going all in, hoping that Ahmeti ha still has enough star uh, you know, name recognition that most of the Albanians will support him, will be bribed, they, they might be ballot stuffing and all sorts of other developments. And, uh, but this now means that SDSM are going to be destroyed in the first round of the presidential elections. An SDSM candidate running without Albanian backup uh, against a Vimera candidate is going to lose two to one. It's going to be a bloodbath. Yeah. Right. No matter so who the Vimera yeah. candidate is. Vimera has have their issues. It's not yeah. it's not all easy. it's not all uh, roses and puppy dogs. They don't have a yeah, they, they they're doing well in the general elections, but in the presidential elections I have no idea what they're doing. It's yeah. uh, but Whoever will destroy, even Vimera could do some tactical voting. They could have like 20,000 uh, Vimera people vote for Taravari against Ahmeti, and they could still defeat the SDSM candidate and Ahmeti in the first round. They could do like a major upset in the elections. This could be, you know, this is what I would do. This would be the, I, I might actually, you know, vote Taravari even without anybody like telling me we're going tactical, mm -hmm. I might, I might mm -hmm. do it <laughs> myself. Um, so now SDSM uh, are still begging for a Dui to support them. So one of their offers is, okay, we will nominate an ethnic Albanian. We will nominate uh, Fatmir Bitici, nobody knows him, zero charisma, zero star power, but at least he's an Albanian. Mm -hmm. So we, we it, it is our party doing the nominate, nominating. We're still the larger party in the in the coalition. But you, Dewey, can say that we are voting for an ethnic Albanian uh, dude, and maybe you this will be enough for your voters. So this is an attempt to for for SDSM to save their the only ch chance that they might salvage something from the elections, which is. A coalition with the Albanian with Dui before the elections. But how many citizen voters or citizen adjacent voters, to borrow a, a word from today, mm. pop culture, how many of them would actually, once they get into the voting booth, mm. vote for an ethnic Albanian as Macedonians? I mean, would they really do that? Would they put loyalty to the party first? It's, uh, so they, uh, for Bitici, if they're told like this is a, our, like a, because he lived in downtown Skopje. Yeah. He's like not a Albanian Albanian, they might tell their right. voters. Uh, the problem will be when, if they get to like, a, if they form a coalition, mm -hmm. uh, the, the main ticket will be the, so the presidential elections would just be like the impetus in the first round, who who gets a boost in the first round? Right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the important thing is the pre the general elections, mm -hmm. and when they see the lists with Al uh, Albanians, so this will be Skopje, this will be Kumanova, this will be Ohrid yeah. Bitola, uh, not to mention obviously Tetova Gustavar. For Macedonians in all these cities, they will see for SDSM voters, uh, they will see ethnic Albanians on their list for presidential candidates. Mm -hmm. And these are going to be, so if Bitici is like, a, okay, economist, like technocrat, nothing major, but these are going to include some actual terrorists, some commanders from the civil war, like mm -hmm. actual Albanian nationalists. Mm -hmm. This is going to be really ugly for Macedonian voters. Right.
So I don't I don't know if that strategy would work for citizen to choose an ethnic Albanian yeah. and then so it seems. Um, quick aside here, I see Hans just uh, tweeted out for a few minutes ago saying that uh, Sela held a different Congress for the Alliance of Albanians, dismissed Taravari, and had himself appointed as the Alliance leader. Was that yeah, just of course, today? Of course, yeah. Was that today? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yesterday? Yeah, okay. this is, I think, today. Uh, yeah, the, the, so when Taravari declared for the opposition, immediately Dewey, because Dewey previously bribed Taravari, they bought him two houses in downtown Skopje for him and Because it wasn't friend. enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, they gave the, gave them to them the houses and uh, right. they joined the coalition. Yeah. <laughs> so now, uh, uh, when he eventually decided that his party is dis- dissipating in the in the government, they're losing their opposition cred, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they uh, decided we said we're going back to the opposition because we're losing our purpose for existence. Other opposition parties will take all our voters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, they immediately, uh, Dewey and his just immediately bribed um, the former leader of this party, Ziedin Silla, mm-hmm. uh, to challenge, to, to try to take over the party from Taravari. And he's doing this now. They're both for, uh, organizing uh, separate uh, conventions of the party. One is removing the other from the party. Uh, the ministers split in half. The members of parliament think they're more uh, toward uh, uh, Sila, toward the pro-government option. Uh, but yeah, the, the voters will probably trend more towards Taravari because you know, they're opposition voters. The, the party was built to challenge Dewey, not to be consumed by Dewey. Right. Okay, so again, elections yeah. are on the 24th. The uh, first round of presidential elections on the 24th, second round on May 8th. Those are both mm-hmm. Wednesdays, which is a novel yeah. thing for Macedonia. Yeah. So a novel thing for Europe. Europe's, Europe tends to vote almost exclusively on Sundays, I believe. Mm. Uh, whereas we Americans vote on Tuesdays, oddly. I'm not sure what the history between <laughs> that is. But anyway, and the reason for that, of course, is that when, uh, Sunday, May 5, which is when the, another date that had been thrown around, of course, is Easter. So... At least the Albanians didn't insist and force that, and the Americans didn't enforce, force them to, to have elections on, sun, on Easter mm. Sunday. So, yeah. so the 24th, uh, first round, uh, then May 1st is a Wednesday, and then May 8th is yeah. the second round of presidential and the parliamentary elections. Um, yeah. Vomero's got to choose here. Again, this is uh, the 18th of February, so in two weeks, mm. Vomero's going to choose their candidate. Uh, it's interesting. Now, I wonder if that would play into Citizen is going to choose their candidate later in the month of March. Um, mm. So Vomero is going to come out first with theirs, and that will affect, I'm assuming, um, how Citizen uh, and, and or Dewey uh, choose theirs. And on the Vomero, just quickly on the Vomero side, uh, Gordana is thinking of running again. Yeah. The candidate from last time. Who else? She was the candidate for the last time. She's like a law professor who was uh, usually seen as more close to SDSM, to urban voters. So it was like a message from Vemera that they're not running like a proper Vemera candidate, but a peace offering to the urban people of Skopje to uh, secede from SDSM and join with Vemera. It kind of worked. it took a huge effort from SDSM to get all the Albanian parties to support Pendarovsky. Uh, Pendarovsky obviously lost the first round of the presidential elections to uh, Gordana and uh, only won uh, after, you know, they had every single Albanian party support him in the second round. If the Albanian voters are now divided, she could win. She's not very, like, again, charismatic or uh, too interesting for the Vimera voters. They have an equally like bland, I would say, candidate, another law professor from the same faculty, uh, Alexander Spasinovsky, young guy, uh, early 40s. Uh, he was seen like a political advisor, pol- polling advisor to Gruevsky back in the day, and then he kind of 
withdrew himself from politics for a very long time. Mm -hmm. He hasn't been mm -hmm. seen in politics for a very, very long time. Some are saying Antonio might run uh, the for oh, Antonio Milosevsky, okay. former foreign mm -hmm. minister. Mm -hmm. He would bring some diplomatic, uh, which is badly needed, some diplomatic background. Yes. Yes. Uh, oh. Vladko might try to uh, try to run again. Vladimir Djurcev, uh, who yeah. would bring like uh, American, you know, knowledge of American foreign policy in case Trump wins in November. So he would be like, okay. I'm, we are trumping things up here a little bit. Uh, the usual presidential candidates are uh, Sashko Kedev and his wife, uh, uh, Ganka Tsvetanova, uh, who are... Um, uh, Sashko was presidential candidate uh, after Boris died in the 2004 elections, mm -hmm. uh, defeated by Branko Tsarvenkovsky with again with tremendous ballot stuffing from the, in the Albanian districts. And, but also Ganka is also seen as a popular former culture minister. She's also, both of them are, are seen as potential presidential candidates. So there's a potentially really crowded field there. Um, yeah. Uh, interesting. By the way, it, uh, I should I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this. So again, 18th of February. So a week from tomorrow is uh, the 26th of February, and that's the 20th anniversary of... Uh, mm. Boris's passing, along with eight of his colleagues, uh, mm. over the mountains in, in Bosnia Herzegovina. So yeah. it's hard to believe it's been twenty years, two decades. Yeah. This is kind of wow. Mm. So ah, uh, anyway, okay. Well, um, I think by the time we do this podcast again, probably early March. Actually, March two is the Vomero. Um, yeah, that might be our next podcast. Is mm. the, the day after that? No, we'll, we yeah, sure. we'll, we'll know what's going on, but. But let's, let's um, as I highlighted in the monologue, three things we want to talk about, the passports, the elections, and then um, <laughs> the graft mm. and the revolving door that is the United States Department oh, of yeah. State and other, um, other uh, mm. folks in the U.S. Uh, governmental system. So this article in Politico Europe came out last week, um, and the title, is, the title is How the U.S. Broke Kosovo and What That Means for Ukraine. Okay. Mm. Matthew Kartnitching um, is the author. He's actually, oddly, uh, a fellow Arizonan. <laughs> so his uh, yeah his yeah his his uh, I think his mother is his father's Austrian, his mother's American. But he grew up in Phoenix, just up the mm. uh, the road from me here. But anyway, and probably um, more importantly, his brother is the former chief yes. of staff for uh, Johannes Bogen. Johannes Bogen Tactics Hunt. Exactly. So, yes. We right, have to use yeah. his proper full name. <laughs> proper title. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. But, right. If if they're going to use the N word, I'm going to use his middle name. So, yeah, um, yeah. but let me let me just read the opening lines of this because this is great. Quote: George W. Bush's little brother was confused. So you are Albanian? Neil Bush asked Kosovo's former ambassador to Washington, Vlora Chikaku, uh, over dinner at yeah over dinner at Pristina's finest hotel last July. Yes, she told the former American president's sibling, who had just arrived a few hours earlier in a chauffeur-driven black Range Rover from neighboring Macedonia. But if you're all Albanian, why is your country called Kosovo, Bush replied, incredulous. He was surprised to learn that his brother is considered a hero in Kosovo for championing its independence as president in 2008. So it goes on. So Neil Bush was there along part of a group with uh, General Wesley Clark. Um, looking at, you know, investing in the country's energy sector. It's a very long article. We, we should put this article in the um, show notes, mm. I think. Um, sure. uh, highly recommend it. It'll take you 20, 25 minutes to read it, but it's, 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 it is, uh, it's well, aside from Matthew's brother being the former um, Johannes Balkan Tactics Han uh, mm. uh, chief of staff, it's, it's a very good outline of how you know, and, and it goes goes into you know. So Clark Albright, um, James O'Brien, who used to work for Albright, was uh, but now is back in the State Department. It's this continual, continuing, revolving door of American officials that have worked the region uh, or other countries, and then mm -hmm. leave the State Department or other parts of government that they're working for. And then go to work for Bechtel, Halliburton, 
uh, all of these different companies. And, and the article is also about, is this good for those countries? I yeah. mean, they, yeah, they go in there, they go into debt, they spend hundreds of millions, billions of euros on in major, in, and this is mostly major infrastructure projects in, uh, as, or energy. And then, you know, is it, is it good for the country? Um, and I think his answer is no. So. Yeah, it's uh, really incredible what they, what, they, what they wrote. So to the main point, to the main, uh, uh, I mean, we had the U.S. take over uh, Kosovo in 99 with it, as uh, they would oh, say when. Sorry. You know, sorry, and I'm just I'm scrolling through as you're talking to and, it, and it's interesting because not only is this the 20th anniversary of Boris's passing, but March is the 25th anniversary of the NATO the very defensive bombing by NATO of, of yeah, yeah. Yugoslavia, so uh, serving yeah, so yeah. twenty five years. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we uh, with this as the older, you know, the, not the older Bush, the uh, Neil Bush's brother, George W. George Bush, w. He would say, "We when when we, you bomb, you bomb it, you own it. You you break it, you own it." Right? When he attacked right. Kosovo, yeah. uh, Iraq, this was the this was what was said. So when the U.S. Attacked Yugoslavia, attacked Serbia, took over Kosovo. They now own it, and this was supposed to be like the model for Western. Uh, so, so basically, they took out a territory, they made it a state, in the image of Hillary Clinton, uh, Madeleine Albright, Wesley Clark, the Bushes now apparently, and uh, this was supposed to be the model for all of us. What we can expect to see if we join the West. And now that right. the West is fighting for hearts and minds, especially of us Eastern Orthodox Slavic semi-Russians, I guess, and George George W. Bushes and Neil Bushes and uh, Jeb Bushes and all the Bushes' eyes, we are obviously semi-Russian people. Um, they're fighting for our hearts and minds, I guess. And if they could deliver a prosperous, rich Kosovo, Bosnia, you know, the territories which are directly controlled. Bosnia obviously has a, a direct international uh, administrator appointed by the EU and uh, the US. These countries should have been far more successful than Serbia, for example, if Serbia is still on the fence. If in Macedonia, the Macedonian people are obviously now turning away from the West, shocked uh, after all the blackmail and everything we went through. Uh, but if we see that Kosovo is bristling with foreign investments, infrastructure, employment, uh, etc., we would say, okay, maybe the West has a point. Maybe a Balkan country can turn into... We see Slovakia, we see uh, Poland, we see maybe even Romania, but by this point, even Bulgaria, parts of Bulgaria look pretty decent now when we go visit. Uh, but we do not see this replicated in the Western Balkans, and uh, uh, we didn't really get much for our own affiliation with the West, in the case of Macedonia, for slavishly following mm -hmm. the Western commands in these past seven years. Uh, all we get is this type of infrastructure deals, so right. uh, like the one described in this article. It's not funded by an American bank or you know, the European Union should be funding this by all right mm -hmm. as it is funding projects in Bulgaria, in Greece and wherever. Um, it contains stupendous amounts of corruption in, in, the, in the contract. The article explains how the then ambassador, American ambassador to Kosovo, Christopher Dell, was who lobbied obviously for this deal just as Ambassador Aguilar is now lobbying for the Bechtel deal in Macedonia. Uh, Dell was later appointed uh, director for Bechtel for uh, Mozambique or um, I guess right. the whole of Southeast Africa was. I remember mm -hmm. when it was first reported, it was said he practically governs the whole of Southeast Africa for the company. Mm -hmm. um, so the price is several times higher than uh, in the similar, you know, similar by in terms of difficulty, 
uh, the offers we would get from Chinese companies to build these highways. Um, the Chinese would offer to fund it through their own companies, and then you know it would be a a lower interest rate than what we will we are paying now at this global interest rates. We are now going to pay uh, 1.3 billion uh, dollars to Bechtel for uh, highways uh, um, without counting the, the land, the purchase of the, the land along the route. And right. the routes, route goes through Albanian districts and Du is negotiating the deal. So you can imagine they're practically buying the land from their cousins in the name of of uh, government officials, they go to their relatives along the in Kitschov and they're buying their their land. We're going. We will be paying, like, uh, fifty euros per square meter. We'll see some crazy prices now for, for for farmland, like ridiculous. Like, uh, so the the level of corruption is going to be tremendous. Mm-hmm. Uh, Serbia is building a highway with Bechtel to try to get. Uh, some U.S., you know, so that it is, it's not seen as the pariah by the U.S. to buy some influence, obviously, in the U.S. State Department. Mm-hmm. But when they're negotiating this deal, they actually get a zero point something percent loan interest, practically no zero interest loan, effectively. Mm-hmm. So the the bad boy in the region is getting a a relatively sweetheart deal, and Kosovo, Macedonia, the good guys in the region, at the moment, we're getting the worst deal imaginable. Right. And, you know, we we pay the first (coughs) tranche to Bechtel, and the next day Ali Ahmeti purchases uh, a business center in downtown Skopje. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. It's all hugely corrupt. Yeah. Uh, Let me, as you were mentioning that, that's a good... Good uh, sum, summation there. Um, uh, Philip Rieker, former U.S. ambassador to mm. Macedonia. Uh, let me read you just his quick, just a bit of his bio from the Albright Stonebridge Group. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ambassador, retired. Philip T. Rieker is partner and lead of the Europe and Eurasia practice at DGAASG, that's the Albright Group, where he draws on mm. 30 years of diplomatic experience to support clients with interests across the region. Incredible. Yeah, they're, they're uh, rotating, they're switching places. So uh, Jim O'Brien is uh, in the Albright Group. Ricker is uh, acting assistant secretary for Europe and Eurasia under Trump, right. of all presidents. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> then they switch places. Then Ricker goes into the uh, this Albanian lobbying organization to yep. cash in on his services for delivering Macedonia to the Albanian national interests. Mm-hmm. And uh, O'Brien goes into from the Albright group from the Albi- directly working for the Albanian lobby he goes into the position that Ricker held as uh, assistant secretary for Europe and Eurasia and he immediately comes in to Macedonia and berates us tells us to tells the Albanian parties to stick together mm-hmm. he openly asked them not to form an opposition bloc to Dui Dui which is negotiating the Bechtel deal with the, this U.S. company, which is linked to the State Department. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all linked through Yale. Uh, they're all, uh, oh, yeah. you know, Jess Bailey was there. Uh, uh, Pressman, the, 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 yeah, this is the Yale gang now. Pressman, Pressman in uh, Hungary, okay. also an yeah. uh, Albright uh, um, acolyte, who's now trying to create a colored revolution in Hungary over the Navalny death most mm-hmm. recently. Uh, he is uh, part of this group, so um, yeah, it's uh, it, it, th- and it's yeah. And Politico says actually that the, the amounts are so practically Kosovo just became a country, and because of this deal, they're already uh, saddled with so much debt, like it's affecting all other investments, uh, and they're already immediately out of they they're starting their life as a. It's a seriously indebted country. Yeah, and, and from a technical standpoint, they're not actually, I mean, from the UN definition, they're not actually a country because they're not recognized by the yeah, UN sure. as a country. So they're not yeah. even a country, and yet they're saddled with debt. Um, yeah, yeah. I, 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 have to, I have to read some more from this article because it's just too uh, funny. Yeah? 
Yeah, sure, sure. So, okay, so it says, Clark, and this is General Wesley Clark. Clark began with a whirlwind history of Kosovo for Bush, who appeared slightly tased. Mm. It's an amazing story of people who just want freedom, the general said. Bush wanted to know how they became Muslims. Well, people are just people, Clark told him. If you wanted to be educated under Ottoman rule, you had to be a Muslim. What about the Serbs? Yeah, Clark that said, was the reason why they yeah, changed religion. The, yeah, <laughs> the education. The, yeah, the, Clark says, Serbs are notorious for not being loyal to one another, Clark continued. At NATO, I had three enemies, Serbs, wishy-washy Europeans, and the Pentagon. Everyone laughed. Uh, and then it goes on, and this is this is the clincher part of the article. And it mentions a Velnev, who's a Bulgarian involved in this as well. Mm. It says, Clark, Bush, and Velnev did not respond to requests for comments. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it is just... Yeah, I can imagine this going like the Tucker-Putin interview. So imagine George Bush there. Uh, how, how can I leverage my name recognition into contracts in uh, Macedonia and Kosovo? And, it's, and just asks, okay, but you're, just let me get the basic lay of the land. You're Muslims. We are kind of like, aren't we in war, at war with the Muslims? Yeah. And, this, and Clark starts, okay, let me, let me give you just, just let me take 30 seconds to explain this to you. And then three hours later, like, <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then the Serbian uh, knight, uh, Milo Sobilic, he killed the Ottoman uh, and, and Bush is like, oh, <laughs> Gla eyes glazed over. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So. Actually, the, 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 and, and sometimes, sometimes I like what he says, sometimes I don't. John Kirby, who is currently, I think, the national security mm. spokesman or something in the White House, he's notorious for, for going between the government and CNN uh, and back, mm. literally back and forth, back and forth like a ping pong. Um, yep. it's, just, it's just kind of incredible. And you mentioned that Rieger worked, you know, the State Department under Trump, proving mm. that it doesn't matter who the president is. You know, Republican or Democrat, it doesn't matter. Yeah. The State Department, especially, is an institution unto itself, and they'll do whatever mm. the bloody hell they want. So, yeah. uh, especially once they're out, because then they get rich. We still need we still need to do a little more research, I think, into Jess Bailey and um, Kate Burns and um, some of these others to see where Paul Waller, see where they are these days, and if they're working for. Uh, oh, and who's the one I really hate, Larry Butler? Uh, yeah. See where see where they are these days. So. Mike Einick, mm. I believe. I, I talked to some friends last time I was in Macedonia who were who were close to Mike, uh, mm. and he apparently divorced Sarah Einick was his wife when he was their ambassador. They got divorced, and he went off. He's in Paris, I believe, and started a new family at whatever oh. age, at whatever late age he's in, and uh, mm. probably just doing consulting. So, not I should, yes. so we should say not everybody that works for the State Department, um, you know, goes and, and then works for uh, lobby groups and, and uh, American yeah. corporations, but. The really, it, it seems that the really nasty ones do, and Phil is one of the really nasty ones, I think. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Wes Clark as well. So, anyway, it's a it's a good article. We'll put in the link, uh, and uh, you know we'll, we'll keep talking about it from time to time, just because it's so much fun. Yeah, but also another interesting element here is, as you said, like the author of the article is uh, oh, right. uh, the brother of a high level EU official, mm -hmm. and uh, we he we began to hear like. Uh, EU officials, like the Dutch ambassador to Macedonia, uh, the, the EU formally, like, treats formal ambassador and spokespeople for the commission, they, they said that Macedonia's deal with Bechtel is not, and obviously it's not uh, above board because it was like an exclusive contract given exclusively no to one company. Yeah. yeah. And um, you can feel that, like, they, the Johannes Hans gang, they would prefer if this is built with uh, EU grants, True. because this that way they will get a say in who wins these grants and how the money is spent. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, uh, I mean, it's crazy. Gruevski, at the height of you know his uh, arguments with his disputes with uh, uh, the EU and the US, he was able to secure like half of the funding for the. Um, Demir Kapia Gevgilia Highway, mm -hmm. very difficult highway, like very serious, uh, yeah. go going through mountain gorge through, through the Demir Kapia Gorge, mm -hmm. and uh, he got half of the funding or more even from the EU, mm. and then he he went and named the highway Alexander the Great to, oh, right. to say that yeah. to show that this will not change his mind that Macedonia will not be bought with a few hundred million euros 
for infrastructure that the EU should be building in the region anyway, because that's what they're there for. Uh, and now the obedient, the loyal, the lapdogs of the of the West is the SM. They cannot uh, negotiate uh, grants from the EU for for the highways. Uh, they're planning with Bechtel. Construction hasn't started yet. They're doing this publicity stunts, like they're doing mining in uh, Pelagonia, which is the only flat part of Macedonia, which does not require any mining. But they're driving the ambassador around the country to show that they're doing something. So they would mine a stretch of the road to show that they're building something. And they were using this like colorful like smoke. So it's more visible for the press. It's ridiculous. I mean, oh. It's not actual construction mining. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but the, uh, in the case of this highway that Grievski got negotiated, so he would build with the Chinese. We, we pay for this, but the Chinese give us a soft uh, loan. And then if we play our cards right, this first deal would lead then to a railway contract that the Chinese will, will be build on their own uh, dime because it's strategically important for them. Then possibly in, into energy, hydro plants, even canals along Vardar was that was the thinking. Mm. Uh, so Gruevsky would play both the EU and uh, the Chinese. And now we are, and the, and the EU funded highway was obviously built by a Greek company. So when you have a, it's understood that if you're taking the EU loans, then the contract goes to a EU company. Mm. But is this like does not use this, this soft uh, uh, EU uh, Chinese loans? does not use the EU grants, goes straight to the most expensive contractor, uh, Bechtel, in the US State Department. At least if you hire them, you get some leverage in the State Department. But we are, we are hiring them not through a Macedonian party, not through SDSM, which is still nominally a Macedonian party, but we are making the deal through DUI. So even this political foreign policy benefit for the country is actually actively harmful to the Macedonian cause because first thing that DUI does with this money they're paying to, to the State Department, they have Blinken over and then they, and they have Jim O'Brien over and then they send, send a message against Vimero, against Macedonian national interest in support of Albanian national interest. So I'm paying taxes for an overpriced highway that probably won't, will never get built. And in return, I'm, I'm getting berated by by idiot uh, diplomats from uh, corrupt uh, from the corrupt State Department. Yeah, you're you're absolutely you're absolutely right, and I think this is this makes a good argument then for to go back and revisit what we talked about earlier um, for Vomero to have a strong candidate who's going to stand up to uh, all of these people uh, for the interests of Macedonia um, mm. first and foremost, um, and. Because I, I, I think at the end of the day, Sven, I think at the end of the day, all of these people are cowards. I think mm-hmm. Ali Hmeti and Artan Grubi are cowards. I think the State Department people we've just talked about are cowards. And if somebody stands up to them, they will back down. I, I honestly believe that. And I'd like to, let's test the theory. They're cowards. I think, I think Nick will approve that. So... And they're turncoats. If the Russians get to Odessa in a few months, mm-hmm. they will be the they will be speaking Russian. You know? <laughs> yeah. That this is why you know this is how you became Muslim. The crux of the question. Yeah. There are small nations surrounded by a lot more Slavs. Obviously, they're afraid, uh, and uh, their defense strategy is to adopt whoever is stronger in their world. Uh, so if, if it's the Ottomans, they change religion. They dropped centuries of. Christianity to adopt Islam because the Turks are stronger at the moment. The Russians come, they're the biggest communists in the world. They, they were even berating Russia that Russia is not communist enough, the Soviet Union. Uh, the US comes, they're the biggest Americans, you know, bootlickers, everything. ISIS comes, they had the highest per capita uh, for any European and I think possibly even North African country participation rate in ISIS when it looked for a while that the caliphate is being formed. So they're, uh, yeah, they're extremely uh, fickle. You can just go to their, there is this map of uh, Albanian first names, but it goes through history, mm-hmm. right? And it changes from 
Christian to Islamic to now some kind of like Illyrian pagan names. Uh, they might easily adopt Russian names if if mm -hmm. the, if the Wagner group comes to the region <laughs> in a few, soon. So, yeah, they're uh, this is how how they are. Yeah. On that note, let me leave with, I, I found this quote the other day. I was reading this fantastic book about American involvement in the Middle East since 1776. So it's a 600-plus page book written mm. by a former uh, Israeli ambassador to the United States. But he, mm. he had in the book and it reminded me of a quote, and I posted it, and then somebody didn't like it. But from the late, great Samuel Huntington, Class of Civilizations, mm. quote, The underlying problem for the West is not Islamic fundamentalism. It is Islam different civilization mm -hmm. whose people are convinced of the superiority of their culture and are obsessed with mm -hmm. the inferiority of their power. Mm -hmm. I firmly believe that. Yeah, that's, that's the, the big issue we have here. I mean, Bush was on the money with that question, but yeah. he can't be bothered. I mean, Republicans <laughs> can't be bothered to yeah. do foreign policy or yeah. under Trump or anything. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that's a full wrap. Uh, yeah. Let's... Just to make a correction, while we were talking, I said that uh, Wimmer won the first round of the presidential elections in 2020. Actually, they lost it. I've, oh. I googled while we were talking. Uh, actually, uh, SDSM had a coalition with Dewey, and they still had some support, mm -hmm. some public support then. It was before the French veto and mm. the Bulgarian veto and everything went south. So they actually won by... Pendarovsky actually beat... Uh, Siljanovska by 4,000 votes in the first round. Oh. But this was with the Dewey unified behind them, and SDSM still looking like a, like a normal party now. Right. <laughs> no chance this will happen. Uh, Levitsa is running Siljanovska's uh, actually very good friend, mm -hmm. uh, Biljana Vankovska, ah, okay. another left-wing oh. political professor. They would jointly participate in the colored revolution in, in the protests against Gruevsky, actually. Oh. Uh, so this is like... Levitsa probably trying to split the patriotic vote. So if Vimera runs Siljanovska, Levitsa is running practically a mirror copy of, right. <laughs> of, right. of Professor Siljanovska. So this will be interesting to see if, if this happens. Yes. All right. Well, let's reconvene in two weeks, and uh, we'll have a Vimera candidate by then, I think, and some of the other stuff will have shaken out. And uh, this is episode 168 of the Macedonian Content Farmers podcast. Sven, it's been great talking to you. Uh, you too, Benny. Take care. You too.